Good afternoon, everyone. We are live in the production part of our studio for the launch of Office Hours, the TV show on Apple TV. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, amazing. Isn't it? It is. And speaking of amazing, we got a, another DM in the house, and that's not direct messaging. It's Dan Markle. He is the founder and CEO of Rise Medical. And uh, I don't know what it is, but we're just surrounded by DMs. And uh, <laughs> Dan, it's just such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for all you do. Welcome to Office Hours. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great to be here. Absolutely. Well, give us a little bit of background on Rise Medical and, you know, the, I think, evolution in the space of understanding, you know, especially for male health, how important certain things are that may not have been mainstream 10 years ago, but certainly is today. Yeah, you know, that's for sure. I mean, starting off with myself, I wanted to be a doctor, never made it. I was going to go to medical school to please my mom there, but became a curious healthcare entrepreneur, right? Um, by just being curious about my own health. And I'm one of those strange people that actually is very compliant. I'll actually finish an entire dosage of antibiotics that the doctor says, take this for 10 days. I'm one of those guys that will do that. So in approaching this marketplace, you know, I kind of noticed the same thing. It started off with the early advertisements with the inhibitors. That's Viagra and Cialis is kind of talking straight with guys. And then um, it went on to the, the Roman, the Get Roman, the hymns they're advertising, and just this kind of very easy go away. Let's talk about this, guys. So I've been fortunate enough with my career to being a healthcare entrepreneur. I've worked with a lot of doctors. And in getting to know some urologists, I started looking at the market during that time when Roman was making their launch, kind of late 2017. And looking, oh my gosh, they're just packaging pharmaceuticals is what they're doing, but they're doing it in a really comfortable manner, talking directly to the guys, hey, let's talk about this. So that messaging was key about talking about sexual wellness, both to men and women. And that's the key thing that I saw. You know, look, I'm really lucky. I've been married to my high school sweetheart for almost 31 years. So the key thing that I thought they were missing was directly for both men and women, and then dealing with the underlying physical issues attached to ED, urinary incontinence for women, whereas just the other is just a band-aid. It's a pill that can be highly effective, but still it's just a band-aid on the, the root cause of it. Do you find that when you're working with people, I think it's so great you're talking about sexual wellness. Um, there's, there's a lot of trauma involved and when you start to dig into that. Um, do you want to go into that? Because I know you, sorry, go ahead. No, absolutely. You, you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. That's one of the things that I saw, you know, being like, I'm in my mid fifties. And, and one of the things that, that kind of came out of the, the birth and the genesis of the company was making sexual wellness a pillar of your health. In fact, a great story I had with a urologist who's a highly respected academic in the field. Went and met with him on Park Avenue in New York City, kind of explaining the business model. I always referred to him and said, hey, you should go talk to him and see what he thinks about this as a business, creating a platform for physical um, sexual wellness with both men and women. And he, he stamped his hands after I explained the business plan on his desk, walked around in his office with his arms in a victory sign. Thank God someone's finally figured out how big this market is with sexual wellness. And to get back to your point, the underlying issues based on the sexual wellness with the mental side of that, the mental health, it's huge. I mean, you talk to therapists or psychiatrists and so, so forth and ask them with couples and so forth and, and we're, rise, we're really agnostic to sexual preference. It's, it's all about intimacy. The emotional issues related to those sexual wellness issues, they're intertwined and it is traumatic. I've had guys come into my office and number one, cry and tear up that they may be hiding the fact that they've had ED for years and to treat it, they're taking a shot of what's called Trimex, literally into their tissue down there. 
wife doesn't even know about it. And it's like, I've been not telling my wife for 10 years on this. And then also the other side of that, after they've had the treatment, and we've got to make sure that we're dealing with the right candidates and they're deep into their treatment and the joy that they have of like, look, this is, I got to, I don't know what to say. I'm having the best sex I've had in decades. That's really cool. And the joy and happiness that people have with a healthy sexual life is, it's pretty astounding. It really is. And I equate the sexual wellness with gut wellness, meaning that there is also, if you live a sexually healthy life, that it's it's indicative of other uh, things within your system that are going well, where, you know, some of the other temporary things that you've mentioned already uh, are just a quick fix or a Band-Aid. We have those temporary fixes in gut health. But I think one of the key indicators, obviously, your gut, your brain, uh, but also your sexual wellness is indicative of being overall healthy. And a lot of people, you know, let's just take testosterone, for example. You know, if you're short on vitamin D, which is critical today, you take vitamin D. Uh, But for some reason, there's a negative stigma around, hey, if you're low on testosterone, that does much more for you than just, you know, having sexual wellness. There's a lot of great benefits for regulating your testosterone correctly, the same as vitamin D, that you would then take and supplement that as well in a variety of forms, natural or, you know, freeing the natural test. Well, there's many different ways. But is sexual wellness an an indicator of overall wellness? Uh, David, again, absolutely. You're right on with that point. Uh, I throw with one of the phrases we have that rises, we're saving marriages one night at a time. Right. And with that, right. And with that, it you never have a happy marriage when there's no sex going on, the sex is not, the intimacy is not there. So the, the erosion and the toxicity that develops in the relationships when there's not a good trusted, intimate sexual wellness, sexual relationship, man, it's palpable. And we all know couples that are in that state. I've watched it in my case, watching a relationship deteriorate. So it's a huge indicator. And as I mentioned earlier, we talked to a lot of therapists, which we're super excited about. We're building that on our telemedicine platform, which we call Telerize, which is going to be for therapists, coaches, counselors, all based and focused on sexual wellness and intimacy for the couples and individuals. And it, it really is. It's a key indicator of, of deep discontent. And it's at a really deep core level. And I'll say it again, just we're all guys on the, on the cast right now. Or especially men, we're just wired. We want to have sex all the time. You sit over bill. So when that's not happening, incredible tension and other you know, health issues absolutely are apparent. How do you change the paradigm, Dan, when people um, are like, they feel shameful to express themselves sexually? And like Dave said, not just your mental health, but your spiritual health, because people just get caught up in the whole stigma of like sex 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 but there's an intimacy thing that that people are missing out on do you know what i mean so how do you change the paradigm if people are shameful well two things you you again you really focused on one word that is a key part of our entire business platform it's intimacy and i have a strong opinion doesn't matter what religion or faith you are man woman child lgbtq whatever it is we as human beings i strongly feel seek intimacy We, we deeply desire intimacy and so instead of and you make a good point instead of it being an embarrassing or an issue that people don't want to talk about we're doing our best with the confidence part of the platform is to create the proper messaging where it's okay to talk about it 
regardless of what your faith, your background is, but it's okay to talk about that and, and also health-related issues. So that's really one of the key things for the company. And I'm proud of, we're working hard on developing a new language so that conversation is easy to have for both men and women and between couples. And even furthermore, I don't think people realize how normal it is to have an abnormal uh, sexual wellness. I mean that, you know, as I turn over 50 and I'm a pretty open person and have more and more conversations with my friends, uh, you know, you start realizing, whoa, this seems to be a, a lot bigger problem than I even could imagine. How big is uh, the problem because of the non-disclosure and the intimate details that usually are the stigmas that are attached? How big of a problem is this for men and women? It, it is it is much bigger than I ever thought, right? It really is. So the vast majority of men over the age of 50 are going to experience some degree of ED, erectile dysfunction. And women, the percentage of women, for example, that is a widely untreated condition, and that's urinary incontinence. Women that have childbirth because of the vaginal tissue, it's no different than any tissue in our body, right? It needs blood flow. There's plaque buildup. There's atrophy. So a lot of women live quietly with having to pee every time they sneeze or you know jump up and down and exercise. I had no idea how common that was. I'll, I'll give you a brief story just on the women's side. Our national medical director is a great doctor, a partner in the business, Dr. Laura Purdy. She's out of Nashville and we went to dinner with her and several medical professionals. I sat there at a steak dinner with about 10 different women, all medical professionals, and they all talked about how common it is to have urinary incontinence issues. And I had never heard that. And they would look at each other on the table, said, you too, you too, you too. And then on the men's side, you, you exactly, I, you know, I, I'm a golfer. I love golf. And how often that will come up in a casual conversation, guys are able to, like, yeah, it's kind of an issue with me. And, you know, I, I have it going on too when I tell them, you know, the company that I founded. One more final story on that one. I had another medical company where I was giving an update to two of my doctor partners. And one of them said, are you working on anything else? And I just started working on Rise Medical. And I said, yeah, this is what I'm working on. And I told him a little bit about what it was. And he, at the end of the call, call ended, I get a text. Hey, do you got a minute for a private conversation? I said, sure, give me a call. And sure enough, he had said that he was in his mid-60s. He was happily married. But he was having big issues with ED after taking one of the inhibitors, Viagra Cialis, for years. And here's the reality. It wasn't working anymore. Those are great medications that can be highly effective, but you can't be on them, depends on the person, right, for 10 years and expect the same level of efficacy that when you started it off. And he said, I don't know what to do. And then the treatments that we put on the platform of RISE are treatments that here in the United States are just not widely known at all. It's remarkable how unknown they are. So that's one of the things that the company to bring it out there to let people know they're available. Do you think a lot of people, um neglect the fact of how important it is to eat correctly and exercise to keep up your strength and vitality do you think people uh, they get a certain age you're like ah oh, well you know i'm getting older that's just the way it is and it's such a such a limited way of thinking yeah absolutely I and mean, it's all related right so what we one of the things we do because we are a cash pay business our treatments are not inexpensive because we have a lot of equipment and so forth and training that goes with it and i will that our staff is trained to be very straight with people that they're, frankly, they're not 30. They're smoking. They're 30 or 40 pounds overweight, both men and women. And they've got to be healthy for the treatment for that to work. And absolutely, one of the elements of is that people don't make the connection that their physical health is affecting their sexual health. ED is born out of just not being healthy, eating poorly or smoking. And when you make those adjustments, and it's remarkable, right? 
of guys that just don't know that or women just don't know that they assume hey you know i'm not eating right you're right i didn't realize it was affecting my sexual wellness and you kind of say well of course it would right so yeah good point and then as an entrepreneur you know where did you come from that you felt you had the capability to build this business uh what were you doing before uh, rise medical and what gave you the confidence that you could take this to the next level yeah i think that's it's uh for better or worse i'm kind of a serial entrepreneur like yourself dave and i think you stole my mantra what was it i heard that uh uh do good by people make money and have fun i'm like he's got my yeah, mantra. I, put make, I put make money first just because i think people shy away from the fact you, you can't give what you don't have and i want everyone I believe there's enough of money for everyone. It's just an energy. So I put yeah. make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. No, I ascribe to that too. I'm a big believer in that. And yeah, you have to make the money first to make it a viable business and the rest will follow. Um, so yeah, what's starting off is, it's kind of joking, but it really was my mom's father, my grandfather was a doctor and she had to hope that she'd have one son that was a doctor. It wasn't gonna happen. I wasn't gonna go to medical school. But started off, worked on Wall Street for a couple of years, then had my own firm, private equity firm, then got into healthcare with an opportunity in the addiction and recovery business. And that treatment is a Trojan horse of mine. Um, that uh, it's a highly effective implant that's in phase two trials at the FDA. But through that company, I started working directly with doctors around the company and understood the legal structure of how business can go side by side with the medical practice. So then bring the curiosity and great healthcare that people don't know about on a platform that can be partnered with fantastic doctors. So that was the evolution of Rise. And once I, and I also have experience in the restaurant business. So I've, I've launched several different restaurants. And if you have a repeatable, scalable model that does great things with great service and a great experience that connects with people, and this is a big one, you guys know this, how it make how the experience people feel about the experience, just what was so successful as an example with Apple computers. Steve Jobs was an orchestrator. He just made people feel creative with something in their hands from Apple. So it was really important with this business coming back to Rise Medical. I knew the structure. Then I had to ask myself, was the marketplace there? The more urologist I talked to when I was doing the due diligence about investing my own money first when I started a company was overwhelming. There's a huge market there. And it wasn't given the, the model of healthcare today when you've got file after file coming in, insurance payments, they've got to stick to a 15 minute schedule. You don't have, you made the point earlier, you don't have the time to get into a 50 minute or an hour conversation about the emotion involved and what their ED uh, or other issues have been causing them. So then it was creating a model with great services, with great doctors that heretofore are not widely known, and then putting on a platform. I mean, one of the things we're really excited about is we, my wife, the co-founder, she just uh, was awarded and recognized in Forbes magazine of having one of the great new medical office designs out there. So it feels different than walking into an old school, cold tile doctor's floor and a stainless steel table. You walk in, you have an experience, which goes back to one of the things here, um, getting talking about this stuff, it really excites me. The dialogue and the, the comfort you create, that's really important what we're doing at Rise Medical for the patients that come in to talk about something that's pretty scary, private, confidential, to have them feel and breathe. And we have our setup and we have the initial consultation as part of our model where it's beautiful um, leather chairs, kind of a cross between a spa and a cigar bar and a men's golf club on the 19th hole. So the guys can kind of let go and talk. And that's how we start, hey, tell me what's going on. Um, so really excited on that to bring that type of marketplace uh, to the marketplace in whole. That's a perfect place to use my open-ended question guide. What are you doing today? 
you like about it? What don't you like about it? Would it help you if? And then you can get right to the point and uh, increase both men and women's uh, sexual health. And I'm sure if Marvin Gaye is still alive, we'd have the perfect ambassador and the perfect theme song uh, for your business and you. And if I could sing, I'd sing a little riff, Marvin Gaye, Sexual Healing, one of my favorite songs. But it's a perfect, you might want to license that music if you're interested. Oh, dude, that's a great idea. Send me yeah. I'll call him. No, the consummate great. marketer. I'm always thinking. Anyway, Dan Markel, another DM with me, DM, and Mike Diamond here on Office Hours. Come and join us again. Keep up the great work. You're saving all my friends, so I appreciate you. Have him call me Rise Medical. Thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, great interview. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Not another DM, but we got Joe Frazier. So, no, just kidding. <laughs> Evan Frazier in the house. Tally, founder, president, and CEO he is the master of leadership and advanced leadership institute uh, with a mission very similar to mine of empowering others to empower others to, to, to lead, to be happy. Um, and we need to do that through leadership. Uh, give us a little bit of background about the Tally Institute um, and what you're doing for leadership today um, as a corporate executive nonprofit leader as yourself. Oh, thank you so much, uh, David. It's so great to be here, be a part of your uh, uh, experience here. Um, Thank you. So the Advanced Leadership Institute uh, is often referred to as TALI, uh, and really our, our mission is to cultivate Black executive leadership, you know, to strengthen companies, institutions, and communities. And uh, we do it through uh, building world-class executive education that's customized uh, towards, uh, uh, you know, African-American professionals. And uh, what we uh, did was we really created a model uh, in partnership with uh, Carnegie Mellon University, the Tepper School of Business. Um, so how do we leverage, you know, these incredible business schools uh, to be resources for real change within the community? And we were, uh, Tyler's really set out to uh, demonstrate uh, and to help build and cultivate top Black leadership. Uh, very often in our city, uh, I know one of the challenges we were facing is, you know, uh, just the lack of, of, of uh, diverse leadership at the top. And so we're we really set out to address that issue uh, head on. It's amazing. So uh, you've got a book most likely to succeed. Congratulations on that. So you have your formula, the Fraser formula for success. I love that. Could you, for, for people uh, watching, can you break down a few of the key, uh, form, some of the formula for us? Sure, sure. Well, uh, hopefully it's better than that sexual healing formula. <laughs> I'll let you be the judge of that one. But, uh, <laughs> Step so, one, so have, a good life. <laughs> have a hot wife. <laughs> since you guys are scholars, I'll give you the formula straight. It's yeah, S sweet. E S equals VPA to the R power. So what is that? Very simply put, success is uh, equals your vision, uh, uh, building a plan uh, that's aligned to your vision, and then. The A stands for attitude, but it's not attitude. It's the right attitude. So success equals uh, the combination in the, the combination of your vision, building your plan and the right attitude. And so that's that that's the Cliff Notes version. I like it. So, you know, it's been a mission of mine and I've been blessed through sports uh, to create what I call milestone individuals, because I find no matter where you come from, if you see people that look like you come from where you're from, 
then it's easier for us to surpass where they're at. And so whether I was representing the Clemente family, Jackie Robinson and, and what he was able to do, but most importantly, my business partner, Warren Moon, uh, the Hall of Fame quarterback. And I don't think there's a position in any sport that represents leadership more than a quarterback. Uh, and we denied black quarterbacks for years. And Warren and I discussed through our participation with the Clementes and the Robinson Foundation and Rachel and, and everyone that someday, you know, it wasn't just enough to have black quarterbacks, you know, as leaders in all levels, high school, college and professional. And uh, this has become such a non-issue today that people don't even believe me when I tell them that Warren Moon had to play in Canada for six years after being the MVP of the of the Rose Bowl and beating Michigan six and a half point underdog. They, they don't even believe me looking at his career. But one of the things uh, was that the more that we could create these leaders, the more people would stop talking about the differences uh, in the skin color and more just the differences in the skills, the knowledge and the desire, regardless of how tall or what you look like. And what I am most proud of today in my sports career is that we very rarely talk about black quarterbacks because there's so many and it's just the norm. And I, now have moved on to my mission of having black CEOs and, and chairmen of the boards and, and board of directors for the same reason. One of my business partners, David Marino, uh, is the head of the sports entertainment division of the Bar Association. And the more that we can get people to see people that are from where they're from and like they look like, they now see a probability instead of a possibility. And what does the Institute do help provide not only the education and the, and the vision, but also just pragmatically the opportunities uh, to scale this and in, in to have opportunities to put them in the position to succeed. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love the vision of and the progression that you just shared uh, from a, a sports um, athletic perspective, which is so important. From, from our institute, well, we recognize very clearly that it's not just executive education, right? It's really the combination of several things that we do, which makes our program successful um, uh, or our institute successful. One is uh, you, we have world-class programming, which is customized uh, for executive leadership. We also connect each of our cohort members with um, an executive coach. Uh, we connect them with uh, an executive mentor. And the reason the mentor is so important is that as you move up in organizations, one of the most critical things uh, that you need is sponsorship. And so through executive mentors, we are seeking to create sponsor relationships uh, in, in uh, both within their organization and outside of the organization. Uh, the other thing is uh, kind of our fourth pillar is just the connection with the broader community, the connection with one another, uh, other cohort members. But also what we do is we create a whole ecosystem around our cohort members to be successful in our alumni. And so, and that's from uh, executives uh, across uh, the board uh, in our in our region. Uh, it's it comes from sponsors. It comes from board members. We have a CEO council. We have 15 CEOs that come together on a regular basis because they believe in uh, uh, making sure that we're investing in black talent. And uh, so that's it. Really, is the combination of all those things from being visible, uh, being positioned in a stronger way helping people be more confident uh, in their ability to uh, uh, 
be successful and to deliver and, and also to help people clarify their opportunity for future uh, for future growth. You know, and, and it really comes from uh, taking the time to have that reflection and the skills that they pick up from our program just add to the confidence in, in helping people to uh, feel more comfortable about networking, about their own uh, skills to deliver value from a business perspective. And, and as a leader, uh, it's really a combination of all those things that really uh, drive our value. I have a question. I know from me personally, a lot of my, when I was in the nightclub business, a lot of the guys that black guys would come to work for me were saying like, we got left behind and I would yeah. have to coach them and, and teach them. Um, and it's horrible. It, they, they fall through the cracks. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah. You understand that. How were you left behind? And, and is that why it motivated you to do this? And, and how do you kind of outreach to people? Cause it, it's scary to ask for a mentor or look for a mentor, especially if you've been, you know, thrown to the curb. Yeah, no, 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 a a absolutely. And and we recognize that. And having been both on the, in the corporate sector, uh, uh, you know, as well as in other sectors, nonprofit uh, as well, um, you know, I understand that. And, and we're, we're really trying to solve for two broad issues. One is the issue you just described. You have people who who uh, get, you know, particularly black professionals who get into middle management. And like you said, just get left behind. And um, in order to move to the next level, you have to be positioned for it but also you have to have sponsorship. You have to be sponsored at those next levels. And so it's it's a combination of connecting people to those relationships, helping be, people be more strategic in how they think about uh, advancement. And also uh, as an African-American, the reality is there are biases out there, but there's no real place to really, um, you know, to, to, to uh, really fully digest and get the, the tools to be able to navigate through some of those challenges. Uh, you're not gonna get it in your own company uh, because very often the company doesn't have that perspective or it's a very uncomfortable feeling to do within your organization. Very often you don't get that in traditional education. And so we we take the time to make sure that people, you know, understand that, you know, how do you overcome uh, biases? What are the best practices that are out there as it relates to diversity and as an African-American, um, you know, what are some of those challenges? So it's, it's providing that perspective as well, which is important. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if I answered your full question. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. You hit it earlier. I, last question real quick. Um, you know, as what I am self-proclaimed middle-aged white mutant turtle that I am, uh, that has created a system of bias uh, unintentionally. Uh, I think we are in an age where most people have unintentional bias. We we're always going to have the, the the bottom low level, low vibration people uh, in every way try to separate us and, and have biases. But I think we have evolved and, and I'm quite proud of the fact that we've moved from intentional bias to unintentional. Um, but yet the middle-aged white mutant turtles who still run most corporate boardrooms, they just need to unlearn a few things. Um, and you know, be able to provide opportunities by being aware of some of the things that they need to learn and some of the new things that they need to learn in order to help. Uh, as you see it today with the progress that we've made, not perfection, but progress that we've made, how can the unintentional leader, the unintentionally biased leader who is willing to unlearn things, uh, help out or where's a primary focus someone like me should have as a corporate executive, as a venture capitalist, as a media producer 
to help build a new education system rid of the unintentional biases as well as providing more opportunities by unlearning certain things that you know it's impossible that we, we even see no that uh, thank you for that um, so so everyone has an opportunity uh, to be an active includer right and I think that's part of it you know starting with the ability to um, you know be deliberate in, 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 in you know about including people in your professional network and in your personal network. And then just also having the understanding that there there are biases out there, you know, that uh, it's not a colorblind world and that, um, you know, the experience could be different uh, for other folks. And so, you know, opening your mind to that possibility and actively you know, inviting people into your circles will make a difference, you know, and um, and then think of sponsorship uh, as a, as a role that you can play, particularly for people who are in uh, levels of uh, authority. Uh, that plays such a powerful role uh, by uh, helping to sponsor and make sure that you're helping to develop, you know, diverse talent that's out there within your organization or, or outside of your organization. Yeah, that sponsorship and power sponsor is essential. Mentorship and coaching as part of that as well, providing more opportunities, more exposure and more awareness. Evan Frazier, we are power sponsors of yours and of the Tally Institute as founder and CEO and president we certainly appreciate your efforts and look forward to helping more. Uh, please, everyone, reach out uh, to Evan. He is at tallyinstitute.org. Multiple programs that everybody can support with their sponsorship and power sponsorship. Come back and join me. Let's keep uh, improving progress, not perfection. We're on a way to appreciate the differences that we all have, that we can have a better role. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you. All right. It's all pinned up there. Uh, we got time and life. Full. One more yeah. guest. He's right in the wings. Here he is, Aaron Bear, author of Exponential Theory. I've been waiting all day for this before my launch party. Um, the Exponential Theory, the power of thinking big. Uh, I'm a big fan of Einstein. And the reason I'm a fan of Einstein is that I believe all beliefs, all behaviors, and all energies compound on themselves and create an exponential result. Uh, the biggest misuse of time is between cause and effect or cause and outcome. Some of the causes being problems, the outcomes being the solutions. And if we understand exponentiality and exponential theory, uh, it allows us to kill off the limitations that sometimes stymie our infinite being that we are. Uh, for you, there's key potentials and key exponentialities that exist uh, in your book, what are some of the key exponential uh, leadership uh, that you provide and, and what is the theory of thinking big? Yeah, you know, I think we, we're moving from what you could say a linear world where people could keep up just by doing, you know, very well at what they did. And now we've actually entered a period where, you know, you used to always say change is the only constant, but but actually it's not constant, it's actually accelerating. So as we accelerate with all these emerging technologies kind of stacking on top of um, all of this change, uh, leaders are having a hard time keeping up. And exponential theory is this idea that, uh, like, like your last guest you had, is um, exponential leaders start to think more conscious. They start to think about these biases, these fallacies, these, and you see that as uh, people that become part of 
companies that really grow at an exponential rate, they start to think about all the stakeholders and that's the environment, uh, you know, inclusion, you know, all these different topics become part of the decision-making process, not the unintended consequences of making a decision and not thinking about certain groups or different people. One society is demanding that we do not do that anymore. I mean, we're actually penalizing people and the exponential theory as people become more conscious and they think more bigger, um, they're no longer thinking about their tribe or their people, but they're thinking about all people, the whole planet. And, you know, part of that is just obviously having experience with different people as you kind of grow your mindset, your beliefs and attitudes. And it, it really does go to a lot of our inhibited limiting beliefs. Obviously, we're formed from zero to 18. And, you know, that causes us to kind of relive this trauma or limiting beliefs or self-talk throughout our whole lives. And what we've learned through uh, neuroscience and neuroplasticity is that we can actually change that. And that's a requirement today to, to really grow at an exponential pace. So getting the mindset, you know, as you said, Einstein, the compounding belief of, you know, having consistency showing up every day. I mean, I talk about Navy SEALs that if they improve 1% a day, they get 37x improvement over a year. And that's the kind of uh, consistency that um, we really want from our leaders today. And we're departing from, you know, what was good enough in the past is, uh, is no longer really that good. And we're actually penalizing those companies that are somewhat complacent or complicit to not do the changes that are needed for everyone. I love that you're saying thinking big. Do you also feel that some people don't have a micro process? They just think big and they don't prioritize correctly? For sure. Um, you know, I mean, I, I take Elon Musk. He's obviously mentioned in the book. He's probably the mascot of exponential thinking. Um, with that, I'm not sure that uh, he thinks so big that sometimes he doesn't think through the small stuff. And, you know, some of his um, he's, you know, I, I heard, you know, the best thing I could say about him is his own shareholder value of the companies that he's been involved is maybe one of the people that have created the most shareholder value of any individual on this planet. Um, and he's probably destroyed more shareholder value at any company that he's talked about outside of his companies. Um, so I think part of it is to think, you know, think bigger about everything that you're involved in, but also the world itself. And that becomes part of realizing that you're part of a much bigger ecosystem and that every decision you make has consequences, cause and effect that, that grow with that. But I think the, the thinking big, I always say, is it takes about the same amount of energy to think big as to just think small. I actually really would even phrase that it takes less energy because you don't sweat the small stuff. And if every day in your true north is to get up and do something really big, um, you're not going to spend the day worrying about these little things or whether someone cuts you off or any of that. It, it really becomes you know, part of a, a mindset, a belief and attitude, which I have this program called Exponential Mindset, Belief and Attitude that really dives into that. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot of how we started this conversation. It, it really you are your limiting belief. You have as much potential. Every person on this planet has as much potential. Today's marketplace, we've never had a more fair and equitable place from an e-commerce perspective, from an access perspective to create wealth and health and all the other things that uh, Exponential can provide. And within the context of the Exponential 3, uh, I believe there's two unconscious competencies Uh that, you know, I know Michael works with addiction um, and is one of the world's best uh, addiction um, therapists and specialists, I should say. But I believe there's an energetic and genetic inheritance of limitation. 
that we're all born, you know, with certain DNA, certain uh, potentials uh, and certain potentials are unlimited. They're not genetically or energetically uh, limited. Uh, but, you know, dunking a basketball would be one that probably is genetically limited for some people, uh, not energetically uh, limited, uh, but addiction would be an energetic uh, inherited uh, limitation that we put upon ourselves. And, you know, with disruption, with change and the acceleration of change, how can people utilize their understanding of the energetic and genetic inheritance in order to effectuate maximizing their potential because i see you know in my own life i was pursuing certain potentials that had genetic limitations or energetic limitations uh to then limit my ultimate goal of creating abundance of living in infinite world of more than enough but i think you also have to navigate your internal uh genetic and genetic and energetic limitations uh, are there any areas that you see from my philosophy that uh are not limiting that are just my, my own belief, or do you believe in those certain limitations in exploring places where we don't have them in order to exceed or, or to achieve our potential? Well, you know, one of my inherent, what I call universal truth is to think is to create. So if you believe that you've created that limitation for yourself and even your own belief system around these other limitations are often imposing or creating limitations for you. But I think what I always say about living in the past, and I, most people live in the past and just kind of live through that again and again, and that's the, the addiction cycle and all that, is that you have to have a relationship with the trauma you've had. You know, and I think a lot of people, no matter how privileged they are or how disadvantaged they are, they have trauma. And it means different things to different people. You know, it's what they internalize and make meaning out of that. And, you know, the littlest thing can hold some people back and other people you know, like a stoic philosopher is eat those for, like obstacles, you know, and part of um, really training people to think exponentially and leaving this linear path is really to get a relationship with the trauma and actually understand why are these things so important and really to create new meaning of that. Because I think part of your mindset of how you approach your own life um, and, and I think epigenetics, you know, there's a lot of cognitive biases uh, in all of us you know, that, that go back generationally and hundreds of generations that we don't know that they just inherently come out. It's like the, you know, the idea of where we inherently come out to take a breath. And, you know, I, you think about a, a deer being born and going right to their feet or, you know, all these, a horse or these things are, you know, there's definitely some things that from the, the animal kingdom that we can learn from. But I think part of us moving forward into our future is to have a good relationship with our past and then I think there's this future that a lot of people have doubts, fears, worries, anxiety, stress about the future. And it's all made up based on the fact that they don't have a relationship with their past. So to me, it's thinking through those things so that you can get really to be mindful so you can be in the moment. Because as you know, you're creating everything now. Like right now is whether you guys like it or not, this is the most important moment in your life because it's the only one you absolutely have control of. So it's how do we expand that? So if you're going to think bigger, um, now you start to realize that you don't want to waste time thinking about the small stuff. And what I've uh, helped coach CEOs um, as well as just individual performers, Olympic athletes is really around this idea of, you know, what is going to be good. And then part of that is finding flow state and recovering and, you know, exponentially is really about getting into deep work. It's not about doing a bunch of different things, you know, in pursuits, you know, we can, 
pursue happiness, which may be a false sense of um, what we want. But if we want to make an impact on the world, then we have to go deep and uh, really, really, really do that. Once we do that and we understand these principles, you know, you can, uh, using Elon Musk, he, he can go deep in seven or eight subjects because he understands exponential technologies. He understands how to put a team together. And he literally is just keeps duplicating that model in different industries. And that's what we've seen about these exponential startups that are now, you know, every company in the world, you know, has to change their business model. I mean, Apple, even though they have uh, more cash than, you know, they have 15% of the cash of the S&P 500, they're reinventing their model for the, you know, the next 10 years. And I think that's a requirement today is to continue to change and adapt to the circumstances. And, you know, the uncertainty that we live into is only going to happen more and more and faster and faster. And part of that is being able to be mindful so that you can think big about your future. Otherwise, we will get in thinking about our past or being scarce about the future. And we're obviously going to be stuck and not making decisions, which is probably the biggest issue today is people are unwilling to make decisions. It's easier not to make a decision and complacency um, makes you complicit in a lot of different things, whether it's the environment or diversity or just your company's success of changing the model, whatever it is, making a decision and making a mistake and learning from it um, is, is very important for that exponential growth. And we see these companies that grow the fastest, they just candidly make mistakes faster. You know, they're making and they're learning from those mistakes. And that's, I think, the key thing is uh, I say in all the companies I'm involved with is we either learn we either learn or we win. Uh, we don't fail. And part of that is if you do fail, it's because you didn't learn anything. And there comes a point that you may have to you may have to, you know, learn that three or four times to actually, you know, get to, to learn it. Um, but that's just you being stuck in this obstacle. And there's a reason that whatever is in front of you holding you back is there. It's, there's something to learn from that. And I think with that kind of those philosophies, um, obviously exponential growth becomes possible for any one of us, no matter where we started and where we want to end up. Um, there is a path of that. And it's literally all right between the ears. I mean, we, we really have to mute out the noises out there of all the people uh, wanting to distract us for their own reasons and just focus on what we really want to create. You have a last question? Here. I have one last question. Yeah. Um, you've traveled to over 90 countries, which is just mind-blowing in, in every state, 50 states. Yeah. Obviously, that helped open up your mindset and expand your mind because your map, your map is huge. All the information you've gathered, the cultures. Was that something that you decided at an early age or did that come just out of frustration going, I want to see the world? So I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and when I was um, when I was 19, I actually uh, broke, I won't say broke in, but I snuck into the Notre Dame Career Center to get an internship, which was in South Bend, Indiana. It was a better university than the one I went to, and I was like, well, I'm going to get a good, and I saw this poster of something called Semester at Sea, and I literally ripped the thing off the wall and take it home and said, I'm going to go do this. So um, I had not traveled outside of the country, um, literally limited travel, you know, in the United States. And I flew by myself, never knew anybody that had been on this trip, never knew anybody was going on it and just said, I'm going on it. And I ended up going, flying from Indiana, the Bahamas, to Venezuela, Brazil, South Africa, Kenya, India, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, Taiwan, China, Japan, and then back to Seattle. So that started that, that you know, and those, what I would say that happened to me is it accelerated my learning because I learned to start to see things through other people's eyes. No longer was I just an American. I was literally a citizen of the world because I saw so much. So then my whole career was in this 
you know, I want to travel the world. So I ended up being an innovation facilitator with companies like Daimler and Coca-Cola. And I would travel with them to Tel Aviv and Shanghai and Shenzhen and, you know, Copenhagen, different places around the world to see these exponential companies. So it enabled me to see so much so quickly, but um, it just, it became, you know, one of those things is just to push myself a little further is every time I went to say Tel Aviv, I was taking a flight to Jordan and then to Egypt and, you know, covering some different places that I may not actually uh, have, have gotten to. But I think part of the travel and it's, it's you know, throughout history, if you, you look at some of the great minds, Einstein and different things will always talk about, you know, travel being such an important part of their own growth. Because when you get out of sight of your comfort zone and you get into a place of, you know, what I'll say is a growth zone. And then I think beyond that, there is an exponential zone that I've been to. Um, it's uncomfortable to be in because you're really putting yourself out there. But that's where you have true growth. And I, I think being outside of your own country and not knowing the language and all that, you, you start to learn about yourself. And then what, what's between your ears really becomes matter is, you know, you really and, and when you're by yourself as well. I mean, I, I don't won't say this to my daughter to go travel the world by herself, but um, that, that experience uh, for me was um, was obviously it, it helped me grow quite a bit. Yeah, definitely living in the learning zone. Everybody check out Exponential Theory. Aaron Bear, thank you so much, AaronBear.com. We appreciate you. We share similar philosophies of aggregate effect, compound interest, and exponential growth. And it is a mindset, a heart set, and a handset, which I agree, Elon Musk truly is the icon for having that mindset, heart set, and handset. And so do you. Thank you so much. Join us on more of our shows, man. You are a wealth of knowledge and experience. We certainly appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Yeah. Love to come back. Thanks so much you for having me. Take care. Woo. Awesome. Yeah. Three for three. I love it. This show, I love when I get to see a person. We got cool. We look like a newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's TMZ. It is. Bad, yeah. version. <laughs> Bad version of TMZ. Nice. Anyway, what's your takeaway for the day? I found it really, all three guests, it was all about mindset and heart set, like you say. But one thing that really resonated with me is that um, people can't be afraid to be themselves. And, and all our guests have this unique ability to be themselves. And it really hit home for me with the sexual wellness. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't have secrets. And find someone that, you know, even if it's one person that you can bond with to help you stretch and grow, you know, because otherwise you're stuck isolated and it's horrible. Yeah. And for me, I think it was uh, just bring a re-awareness to some people live in the comfort zone, right? They don't want to talk about things. You're right. They're just comfortable. They like to sit at home high on their mom's couch, broke and, and, and sick all the time, thinking about things that they want. Uh, and then they live in the right? And, you know, and they won't talk about things either uh, because they're just so anxious and everything constricts down. You know, the comfort zone, nothing grows. The anxiety zone, everything constricts and you end up being a client of yours. Uh, but if we can maintain the learning zone, have an open mind, open heart, and open hands, as I like to say, that learning zone through all three people as we talk to Dan, Evan, and especially, of course, Aaron. Uh, they all are inspiring us to live in the learning zone, to feel comfortable with the uncomfortable, but yet not too far outside where you're anxious and fearful, and but just enough to keep on growing 1% every day, utilizing Einstein's compound theory in life and behavior uh, to 
align with the acceleration and growth that exists in the universe along within our own bodies, souls, and minds. Speaking of which, we have Michael Diamond here with me live at the launch party for Office Hours, the TV show. Season two. Season two. First time on Apple TV, though. We're moving everything from Amazon Prime to Apple. Super excited about that partnership and what we're doing, developing entrepreneurial shows to help people make money, help people have fun. We have some of the biggest names on the show, and I wish everybody was here to join us at the launch party here in Orange County, but it's going to be incredible. If you can't make the launch party, just join us on June 17th, my daughter's birthday. That's a Thursday. Uh, sorry, Friday, June 17th uh, for the launch of the actual show. Uh, this is the premiere launch of the Apple TV and show. We're going to do some fun things here tonight. But more importantly, join us every week on Apple TV and watch Office Hours, the TV show. Thank you, all my guests. Thank you, Mikey Diamond. Remember, everyone, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you later. Thanks.